Well, good morning. It's good to see uh, all of you here. Um, before I go on with the message here, let me just uh, comment for just a second on uh, Hurricane uh, Harvey. Just to kind of give you an update of, of just what we're trying to do as a church and what you can be doing, that sort of thing. You know, uh, as we've been uh, just praying and processing this, uh, just really feel like God's kind of leading us the same direction that he's kind of led us uh, in similar uh, things in the past. And so two things uh, that I can uh, just share with you here. One, uh, you know, with a crisis like this, there's like the, the crisis after the crisis. So what's going to happen in this next week is, uh, you know, the floodwaters are going to start to recede and the initial crisis of getting people, you know, out of harm's way or from drowning or whatever is going to subside and the news media will cover it uh, less. But then there's going to be this next crisis where all of these people are going to start moving back into their homes or trying to move back into their homes. And all of a sudden it's going to be this whole other situation. And one of the things that we've participated in the past is kind of helping with that and helping in a very particular way that follows just part of our values and calling as a church. And that is specific to kids. Just that, just part of our legacy in some ways here as a church. And so in the past, we've worked with a ministry called Save the Children. And what they do, uh, think about this, that there's a, a young family and their house was ravaged and they got rescued out of there and they're fed, they've got water, their medical needs are met. And now in a week or two, they're going to move back in. But um, the bedding for the crib is going to be uh, wrecked. The crib is probably wrecked. The high chair is probably wrecked. They probably don't have enough diapers. They don't have all the, all those basic things. And you think about it, especially those of you uh, who have young kids, think of all the junk you have to haul everywhere every time you take your baby someplace or your kids. There's just so much stuff. And they've probably lost all of that. And so Save the Children is a ministry that works uh, both in the initial crisis, but one of their Strong points is now, how do we help these young families that are maybe in a spot where it's, it's really hard for them uh, to get back and get all of those things that they need? And so we want to help out with that in particular as a church. And just the blessing of what you all have done in the last uh, few months for us as a church and where our staff has managed the budget, we're at a place right now where in the coming weeks, uh, we will just, out of what you've already given to the general budget, we'll be able to make a pretty major contribution to helping out with what Save the Children is going to be doing. And I just want you to know that what you've already done is going to be playing a role in helping those uh, babies and those kids uh, with Harvey, that we as a church are going to support that and get behind that. The second thing is our school, that we're kind of partnering with them, uh, to help with some tangible things that are going to be needed in the very near future. They're doing a uh, pack the bus uh, event uh, and actually uh, starting here in the next few days or whatever where we can bring tangible items to help flood victims over there and to help kids over there as well. And so if you want to do something, you know, in a real tangible way, like go and get diapers or baby wipes or you know, toothpaste or something like that, uh, go to our Facebook page and our Facebook page will have a link with what we're doing with our school. Our school is the one that's organizing the whole thing around uh, Pack the Bus and it's just this fantastic thing that our school is doing. And so we can kind of just join together and really make a difference 
for what some of those folks are, are going through. And you know, in so many ways, you know, this morning is about legacy, really. And I think about the legacy that our church is leaving. And it's things like this, uh, just the impact that we make with kids here and just uh, all over the world. So uh, I just wanna say thank you in advance for uh, all that you've already done and we'll kind of keep you abreast of, of how that goes. Um, switching gears here, coming back. Um, to uh, the message, and as Andy said, I'm going to be closing us out this week. And the question that we're really focusing on is this, what is my legacy? What is my legacy? Because, you know, the truth is, young or old, in one way or another, we're all building and forming this kind of legacy, this uh, how, how we impact the world around us and that that is going to be uh, moving on. And maybe you're here this morning and you've thought about it a lot. Or maybe you're here this morning, you haven't thought about it uh, much. Maybe uh, you were at a wedding and as you watched that wedding go on and you thought about, you know, two young people and they're getting married and you're thinking of all the, all the decisions they're going to make in the coming years and the impact that that's going to have. And you're thinking, and I've made a bunch of those decisions. I have a lot of life that, you know, and I'm, and I'm thinking about the impact uh, that I've had. Or maybe you recently were at a funeral. And it just caused you to reflect and to think about someone maybe that you know or love and just the impact that their life has had on you or this world or others. And it's got you wondering, you know, what's, what's my impact? And, and that is a normal thing that we as human beings go through. This whole series uh, is looking at those different uh, questions about uh, life that, that we just kind of never get off or around. And so I want to... Uh, open up with a passage of scripture found in Genesis chapter 25. So if you have your Bibles, go to Genesis uh, chapter 25, and I want to look at something about uh, Abraham. <clears throat> you know, Abraham is the father of the Israelites, and in so many ways, right, of a Judeo-Christian tradition that we're a part of. And uh, we get a glimpse of how he, how his life ended uh, here in chapter 25, and, and there's just a couple of things that I want you to uh, catch from this as we explore this question here about what is my legacy. Look at verse 8. It says this, Then Abraham breathed his last and died at a good old age. And in Hebrew, that's literally the word for ripe, a, a ripe age, just like a piece of fruit. That's now, it's ripe, it's perfect, it's, it's you know, it's ready to go on. Uh, but here's the thing I really want you to catch. This next sentence says, an old man and full of years, and he was gathered to his people. Um, in Hebrew, this word, uh, those three words there, full of years, in Hebrew is actually uh, one word, uh, a really, really rich word. It's the word savea, savea. In fact, uh, say it with me, ready? Savea. Say it one more time, just for kicks, ready? Savea, yeah. Uh, it is this marvelous uh, word, and it carries this meaning. And sometimes it gets uh, translated like full or full of years. But it's, it's not just trying to capture the idea of like a long life. It's a fullness to life. In fact, if you have a Holman uh, translation this morning, it uh, will say a contented uh, life. Or if you have the ESV, it will say a satisfied life, this kind of fullness of uh, life. Let me give you uh, one more example where this word savea is uh, used. Uh, flip over to a psalm, Psalms 104. Um, and here's where this word is used again. Psalms 104 verse 13. 
And it's speaking of creation and God and his uh, order in it. It says this, uh, he waters the mountains from his upper chambers. The earth is savea by the fruit of his work. The earth is satisfied. What God has done has produced savea, this kind of full, rich satisfaction. And so um, uh, this morning, uh, that's my desire for you. My desire is that each and every one of you, as you live your life, that you would come to experience savea, that richness, that fullness. That's, and I really mean that. And uh, so to get at that here uh, this morning, uh, kind of going over this uh, message, I realized I really only have one point. I thought about adding in a few others, and then I came back and just saying, no, this is like a one-point sermon. That's it. So get excited. This could be your best shot at a sermon ending on time for a while, okay? Just, it's uh, one point. Yes, <laughs> I'm going to do my best. <clears throat> I, could, I, I could end right now after I give you the one point, but no, I couldn't do that. Okay, so, so here, here's the one point. Here's the one point to this sermon. It's this. Your legacy is not what you leave for people. It's what you leave within people or in people. Yeah, let me say this one more time. This is a biblical understanding, I believe, of legacy. And it's this, your legacy is not what you leave for people, it's what you leave within people, right? And, and of course, you know, you, you know, we're gonna leave stuff to people and things or whatever, but a biblical legacy goes way beyond that. It is about how we impact another human life uh, deep within. Uh, let me give you an example of this with, uh, with Abraham because he experienced Savea. Uh, flip over to uh, Genesis chapter uh, 4. Back, I think we were in Genesis chapter 5 a minute ago. Flip over to Genesis chapter 4 and here's what's going on. Abraham is, uh, he's still uh, way up in years. He's north of 100 years at this point. Remember he had his son I, uh, uh, Isaac very late in life and Isaac's now of the age of taking a wife and so he's going to ask his chief servant uh, to go on this task to find him a wife. And here's where we pick up uh, the story here. Uh, verse 1, chapter 24. Abraham was now old and well advanced in years. And the Lord blessed him in every way. He said to the chief servant in his household, the one in charge of all that he had, put your hand under my thigh. And this was just uh, like, well, we've evolved a little bit. We now shake hands instead of doing this. I like where we've come, don't you? <clears throat> Go to the bank. Yes, I'll take the car. It just, just gets weird, don't you think? But that was their thing, all right? <clears throat> Anyhow, just gonna, I'm going to wreck the time here if I'm not careful. Okay, back to uh, verse 3. Um, I want you to swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and uh, the God of earth, that you will not get a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites, among whom I am living, but will go to my country, my own relatives, and get a wife for my son uh, Isaac. And so that's, he says to his chief servant, who probably had been with uh, him for a long time, that I want you to go and, and find a wife for my son, but but not from the Canaanites where we live. I want you to go back to my home. Remember, 
and this is important, remember that he had come from the area of Mesopotamia. And in Mesopotamia, the dominant religions there were all very polytheistic. Uh, they would worship around these interesting occult uh, ceremonies uh, around ziggurats, these like giant mounds or temple-like uh, things that they would make. And then he moves right into the area of Cana, which was also very, very polytheistic, uh, much more crude in a lot of, its, uh, of what it did, um, and in many ways uh, very brutal as well. But here's the point I want you to take away from this. Uh, his chief servant, uh, some indicators we'd have from Scripture probably came from the area of Cana. But even if he would have come uh, years and years before out of the land of Mesopotamia, here's what I want you to understand. His chief servant, what he would have known, what his family would have practiced for generations and generations and generations, everything that, that would have surrounded him in this, would have understood uh, religion or spirituality as being very polytheistic and very crude in, in many, many ways. Far from uh, Yahweh or God as Abraham knew him, okay? And here's what I want you to see in this. Uh, I want you to see the impact that Abraham had on his life. In fact, if you drop down to verse 12, look what it says. And this is his chief servant who's actually praying at this uh, moment for this endeavor that he's been given. Um, verse 12, Then he prayed, O Lord God my master, of my master Abraham, give me success today and show kindness to my master Abraham. Now notice in his prayer who he addresses. Uh, the Lord God. And in Hebrew, this is very specific language. This, uh, the first word was the word for Yahweh, and the second one, uh, Elohim, going all the way back uh, to the names that are used for God in Genesis 1 and 2. He is not praying or referring to uh, some sort of tribal God from Mesopotamia or Cana. Um, in fact, throughout the story, you can read it on your own, there are several times where he prays, even one time where he worships the God, Yahweh. Yahweh Elohim. And all I want you to take, out, uh, take away from this is this impact that Abraham had. In fact, even says, this is the God of Abraham. This is how I know this God. And he becomes a worshiper of God. I am sure that Abraham uh, blessed this man in many ways, in physical ways, and things that he gave him or left him. But that wasn't Abraham's real legacy on his life. His real legacy is what he left within this man. And it was an understanding and a knowledge and a connection that this man would know God, see? That is the beauty of legacy, right? Your legacy is not what you leave for people. It's what you leave within. And you know, we started off our time here uh, with that short video of Jerry. And Jerry, if you don't know this, has served uh, on CASA staff, uh, staff for over 20 years and just recently retired. And he has been processing a lot of this stuff about legacy uh, in depth. And it's, there's some strengths that Jerry has that he has had for a very long time. And so I want you to hear from Jerry and just his perspective on this. So watch this video here. My name's Jerry. I'm 70 years old. I'm recently retired. I've been reflecting on the way that God has, has molded me and shaped me and, and used me in, in ministry. But I've also been thinking about how He'll continue to mold and shape me. And He'll continue 
to use me in ministry. There came a time, um, kind of a marker moment for me. It occurred once when I was meditating through the Psalms. Psalm 71 says, when I am old and gray, O Lord, don't take your hand of blessing off of me until I have had the opportunity to declare your strength to this generation and your power to generations to come. There, there was something about the way that God spoke to me through that verse that really caused me to, to shift my thinking. What am I doing that really impacts lives? What am I doing that helps the, the generation below me, my children's generation and my grandchildren's generation? What am I doing that really helps them uh, to understand and, and be able to, to sink their teeth in to what it means to have a God like the one that we have. And over the years as I thought about that, I, I really began to make a conscious effort um, to begin mentoring, to be, begin coaching. Uh, in the Christian world, sometimes we call it uh, discipling uh, other people, other young men and women. And I have found that to be immensely um, satisfying, probably more satisfying than, than anything else that I've ever done. Perhaps the most exciting thing for me occurred um, just a few years ago. I, I was kind of thinking back through uh, a list of young men and women that, that I've in one way or another uh, poured into, so to speak. And I, I recognized that the list had, had grown fairly long. Uh, I could identify 34 people that I have really spent considerable time with, sharing with, um, and it dawned on me that out of that 34, 27 were currently in full-time ministry. Um, and those that weren't on church staff in one way or another were uh, leaders in their congregations. They were, they were elders or deacons. Um, and that, that really took me back. Because I, I looked at that and thought, that investment is and will con is making a difference and will continue to make a difference. Um, they've become a generation declaring God's strength and power to the to the coming generations. And that that was an exciting moment for me. That was a humbling moment for me. Um, God I recognized how God had worked in that process. I would say to the person that's just beginning to ask the questions about what will my legacy look like, I would say to them, think about 
your legacy in terms of how what you're leaving behind impacts the lives of others. Because ultimately, uh, from my perspective, that's what counts most. That's what matters most. You know, that's Savea. In fact, when I was talking with Jer Jerry earlier this week and we were actually filming that, I just thought that, that captures it. That's what I want for all of us. Now, let me say this too. You know, Jerry has spent um, most of his life working in ministry. And so the way his legacy has played out has been in ministry. And he has part of his passion and drive and desire is uh, is mentoring and discipling people uh, in a very particular way. And you may say, well, you know, I'm not in ministry or that discipling thing. That's not how I work. And that's fine. Uh, but in the same way that it all worked through Jerry's life to have an, an impact within people's lives, um, you can have that and, and should. That can be part of your uh, legacy in all of this. Because there's a part of us, I believe, that comes from God that wants to have this positive imprint of our lives uh, from God, that God's using us in some way to have this positive imprint on the world and, and, the, and lives around us uh, everywhere. So let me do this. I want to offer three just real practical ways um, that you can kind of create this, this notion of what a biblical legacy is all about, where it's more than just leaving something to someone, but it's leaving something within someone that goes uh, far deeper. And so uh, here's, the, here's the first one. The first one is this, practice the art of reflection. Um, and this is important because uh, a legacy is, it comes from a lot of what God has been doing in your life and who you are. And if you never reflect on it, then it's going to be hard for you to understand what it is uh, that you're giving away or what it is that you're investing uh, in another. Um, flip uh, to uh, Proverbs with me. Proverbs uh, chapter 24. Proverbs chapter 24. If I can find it. Here it is. Verse 32 says this, I applied my heart to what I observed. I learned a lesson from what I saw. And he's just talking about what he gained and learned from, from observing, from reflecting. And uh, this just becomes really important. If you're going to leave a legacy, there's some reflective work that you've got to do. And it's got to be more than just now and then kind of thinking about it, you know, like when you're, you know, walking from your house to the car or, you know, when you're in an elevator between floors or something. But to actually take time where you reflect, maybe get a journal just to pause and to think about your life. And let me give you just for practical reasons, let me give you some practical questions uh, you can ask yourself. I think one of the best ways we can reflect um, is to actually create questions that in, in, a, in a quiet time, in our prayer time, that you can actually pray with God around a question and see what God shows you. Uh, let me give you a few questions on this that are just really practical. Um, one, uh, what is the what are the greatest passions that God has put in your life and in your heart? What is it that you just look at and I just think, God made me to do this? Because probably your passions, what God has built into you, is a good indicator of how you're going to leave a legacy in there. Jerry, uh, everything he shared comes out of the kinds of passions that God has put uh, into his uh, life. Um, you can even ask another question with that, very similar. What do you naturally want to do? 
What, it, where, what is it that, how God made you that you naturally do? If you want to get a little deeper with it, here are two questions uh, that you can do. Uh, one is, and this one's kind of fun, uh, in the last 10 years, what's the best decision you've made? Or maybe the, the top five. What are the top five decisions you've made in the last 10 years? And, and spend some time reflecting, and here's why. Probably, if you look back on it, there's something of wisdom between you and God that played out with that decision that you made. And that bit of wisdom might, might be something that should be a part of your legacy that, you, that you're going to distill that wisdom to somebody else. Uh, second question that's not as much fun but goes with it is in the last 10 years, what decisions do you wish you could change, right? What, what are the decisions you look at and go, yeah, that wasn't so good? Because here's the truth, isn't it? Sometimes there is great wisdom to be learned from the bad decisions that we've made. And maybe there's something about your legacy you leave on with that. But the point is, ask those questions. Process it. Be mindful. Learn from it. Because your legacy is going to flow out of that. Now, second, uh, second thing that you can do in all of it, and this is uh, real straightforward, and it's this. Tell the story. Tell the story. Um, let, me read a, let me read a passage to you. This is in, out of Psalms uh, 107. Psalms 107 verse 2 says this. Let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story, those he redeemed from the hand of the foe, and after he says, go tell, let, let the redeem, let followers of God tell their story. He goes on and lists all these different kinds of stories uh, that uh, we can share. Stories of when things go really well and we're on top of that spiritual mountain. Times when it all goes bad and you're just, you're hanging on by faith and you don't know what's going to happen. Times when maybe you make a mistake or it doesn't go well, but you find yourself uh, being rescued by God. Times where you live by faith. All of these things. And what he's saying is, Tell those stories. And here's why I think this is so important, especially with legacy. Story carries all of the most important elements within anybody's legacy. Story has relationship, it has beliefs, and it has values. And they permeate uh, with greater depth. Let me give you an example of this. Um, take Abraham, for example. Like we've been talking about Abraham right here a little bit. You know, there are three aspects that are so important uh, to Abraham. Um, there is faith, right? He is a man who lived by faith. He lives for a promise, this amazing promise that God says, I'm going to bring the Redeemer. I'm going to bring the Messiah through your line. I'm going to bless you with all, you know, not just a family, but a whole nation that the Messiah is going to come out of. And, uh, he has this unique relationship. It says he was a friend of God, okay? I can show you a verse in the Bible for every one of those. A single verse that would say he lived by faith, a verse that would show a promise, this promise that he had, and even a verse that says it was accounted unto him as a friend of God. But if that's all we had, we could like it, we could admire it, we could teach it, right? But think about the stories through the whole, through the life of Abraham that we know, that scripture, isn't it interesting that the vast majority of scripture is built out of story, not just 
here's, you know, three truths here, but it comes in story. It is the story of Abraham's faith that actually turns it into a kind of legacy that you and I are inspired by, want to live by. We, we hear the story of his faith and we find ways that we can apply it in our lives much more powerfully than just, you know what, live by faith. That's a great statement. We believe that. But even Abraham, some 4,000 years ago, he's got a legacy that is still going on in you and me today. And it's because of the story aspect of it. Tell your story. What God is doing in your life, how you have navigated, what you're going through, those stories, uh, those build all of those connecting points that make legacy something uh, that has strength and power to it. It's, it is amazing uh, what happens through all of that. Tell your story, invite the story of others that your story might mingle and become a part of someone else's story. Um, I'll give you an example of this. Uh, my daughter Colette uh, is into Taekwondo, love, uh, loves to do it. And here, um, earlier this year, she uh, was able to go to state and uh, to this state tournament in Phoenix for Taekwondo. So she, I take her up there, it's just the two of us. And at one point, they start doing these exhibition uh, sparring matches. And uh, she's all excited about it. And, and with, a, with an exhibition match, it, your rank of belt doesn't matter and your weight class doesn't matter because this isn't for your record. This is just go out and have some fun, you know? Kick each other till, till you, you're, you know, you're, you're having a great time. Which means you can be paired up with someone, you know, that's vastly different than a normal match. And so her first exhibition match was with a girl that was way bigger than her and a lot stronger uh, than her. And so she gets into this match and, you know, and she looks over at me and this girl's a lot bigger than her. And, and we later learned a lot stronger. And, and if you know my daughter Colette, she is full of energy and vigor and doesn't back off of much at all. So she's in there and, you know, she's bouncing and, it, and the match starts. And about that time, it started to go south, okay? It did not end well. In fact, at one point, and this other uh, girl, uh, uh, it was an illegal kick. Wasn't, she wasn't trying to do it. It's just, it just happened because this happens, right? Um, Colette jumped up in the air and she got kicked below the waist. And the reason that's not allowed in Taekwondo is because if you're up in the air and you get kicked below the waist, what happens? You spin. There's nothing to keep you from just, you know, like this. So as she's spinning around, this girl does another kick. And again, not trying to do this, but just another kick. And as Colette spins around, her face comes straight down and into contact with this, uh, her, this foot going up. And uh, she suffered a concussion. We didn't know it at the time, but she got a concussion. Uh, we did notice right away that her nose and mouth was bleeding a whole bunch, and they kind of stopped the match. And me being me and knowing who my daughter was, I responded this way, because Colette looked over at me, and I, I mean, her eyes were like, you know, saucers. Like, I could see the fear uh, in her eyes and what she was facing. Um, and it may have been a little bit of the concussion, too, now that I realize that. Uh, I go, you got this. Get back in there. You're, you know, get back there, you know. So, I, you know, I grabbed her hands, you know, and they're getting ready to start. And I'm like, I, you know, you know, just attack. She's like, yeah. okay, dad. You know, she goes around. She got back in there and it didn't go so well that time either. <laughs> it's all itself. Um, and now I know, you know, it's like, okay, we're going to get you to a doctor. And then when you're all better, 
we'll have you back in there, okay? That's, that's, uh, that's a lesson I learned out of this. But what came out of this was kind of this story that we got to share together. And as we're driving uh, home on this, you know, she got rattled by this. And it was just like, Dad, I was really scared, you know, just, and that's not normal. If, if you know my daughter, that's not normal for her. Um, but I got to tell part of my story and uh, hear her story. You know, I told her there was a time when I was in a wrestling match one time and uh, when we were in the weigh-in room and all the guys are in there before the weigh-in, there was one guy in particular that just was, his muscles had muscles, okay? It just, and, and I figured he was two or three weight classes above me. And so we were kind of having fun joking around with who was gonna have to wrestle that guy. And I remember thinking, you know, the guy I thought was gonna, I'm like, you, man, poor you, you know? Yeah, just, you know, just like, you know. Then they call my weight class out and he walks up to the scale and it's like, Oh, oh, and it didn't go so good, okay? And, and, but you know what? Um, you can make it. And it was this part of her story and my story of there are times in life when you're going to get hurt and you're going to be afraid, but it's okay. Life goes on even in those moments where you're hurt or you're afraid. And suddenly I realized there was this kind of legacy that I was giving, getting to leave her as she was walking through this part of her life that even when you're hurt and afraid, you can have faith, you can trust, you can still step forward. Tell your story, invite the story of another because it is through those stories, it is rich with beliefs and it is rich with meaning, it is rich with relationships. Eh? Which leads uh, to the third uh, thing here that I wanna encourage all of us in and it's this. Know that your story continues. And the reason I say this is because sometimes uh, we get to a place and we do some reflecting and we go, oh my gosh, I don't like the, what I've left so far. Or I, I just, you know, I, I feel like I, I should have left more as a part of my legacy. Or you feel like, I, you, know, I, you know, what do I do now? I just, you know, there's mistakes or whatever. But let me say this. Um, the story doesn't just end with what you've reflected on uh, that has come before. The story goes on. As you reflect, this is your chance to move forward, to do something uh, different. You know, one of the guys that left a great legacy uh, to me, uh, Roger Barrier, the, the pastor uh, before me, you know, one of the things he used to talk about, and I heard him say it oftentimes, he said, you know what, as a Christian, you never get to retire. You know, no, you don't get to retire. Now, he said, you may retire from your career, you may retire from your job, but Christians never retire from life. And he would say this, because as long as you have breath in your lungs, God has purpose and meaning for your life, see? Your story continues. I don't care what place you're in, and if you, even if you're at that place, you're just like, I don't know that I like the legacies, that's okay. Because if you have breath in your lungs, you get to keep reshaping that story and making your legacy all that you think it should be and what God would want it to be. So let me give you three, three questions in, in how to continue your story. Three things here about continuing your story. The first one is this. Uh, process this question. Who has God used in your life and how has their legacy impacted you? And here's why I say this is important. 
because those, the people in your life that have left a legacy or are still leaving that kind of legacy in your life, there's a good chance that as their story continues through you, there are parts of that story that you are going to continue into others. That's like one of the beautiful things about how biblical legacy uh, works. You see it all throughout the church. You see it throughout uh, scripture in this. I think about this uh, for me. Uh, my little Grammy, uh, I didn't know her. I, she, I was pretty young when she died, but I knew, I, I really got to know her. And you know, two, two things she valued that became her legacy were love and joy, love and joy. That woman lived with those two values uh, to the core of her being. Here's what's interesting though. My little Grammy suffered through the entire Great Depression of this country. And she suffered an incredibly debilitating stroke uh, in her life when she still had lots of years to live. But love and joy never departed from her. And the legacy that she left me was that even when things are hard, even when things are difficult, in God's economy, there is joy and there is love. And I hope that that's something that gets passed on to me. I think about um, my dad. You know, my dad, if you all, and many of you know my dad, you know, there's two characteristics about my dad that he values deeply. It's grace and care for others. I mean, my dad just is a man filled with uh, grace. And I value grace so much. And I think part of that is because that's part of the legacy that he's continuing to leave in me. And maybe, maybe that's part of the legacy that I get to leave to others. Um, think about who's influencing you. I have a friend named Steve who's been kind of a mentor and a friend over the years. And you know, two uh, deep values that I've seen in Steve for a long, long time. One is adventure and the other is just blessing other people, caring about other people and blessing them. And I've watched him uh, in these things. And now I find myself, there are times when I'm just like, you know what? I've got an opportunity to just care for someone or bless someone in some way. And there's a part of me that just delights in it and part of it is because there's this thing that's that's flowing through and part of his legacy is becoming my legacy see or uh, Roger who I talked about earlier you know one of the great values that Roger had was growth the man believed in growth and uh, growth just that we should you know read and become smarter and and that that's great but also growth in our personhood he valued what it meant to grow spiritually and even now, as I think about Roger, there's a part of his legacy that gets lived on through me. I value growth. I want, I want my ministry to be something that moves and shapes people towards growing as human beings. So who is it that is left or is leaving a legacy in your life and what is it? Because maybe there are some things about that that will shape the kind of legacy that you live. Two other questions you can ask about continuing the story. Second one is this. Who do you want to leave a legacy to? Who is it in your life that maybe you say, man, God's put that person there? Because if you don't have anyone in mind, right, uh, it's going to be a little hard to be real deliberate about leaving that legacy. No. And maybe God will put someone else along uh, in, in the years to come. But think about who is it that you want to leave that legacy to. Third thing. Um, how do you uh, want that your legacy to impact that other person's story? What do you want it to do in their life? Think about the changes within them that you want, that you want to infuse, the values or the beliefs. You ask and process those three questions, and I promise you, your legacy will be a story that continues 
as long as you have breath in your lungs, you have purpose and you are building a legacy because, right? A legacy is not just what you leave somebody someday. A legacy is what you leave within them in the deepest way. Why don't you all stand and I'm gonna uh, close this out here. And so I do, I hope that all of you ask those questions and that you get to experience savea, savea, because that, I believe, is what God has for you. Let me pray. Father, we just thank you so much that you're a God of story, that you're a God um, that gives us purpose and meaning and that we can have a life of faith in you, having an impact in the lives of others as we live our lives. Bless us with that, and we pray all of this in your son's name. Amen.